Hi everybody, this is my third podcast. For this episode, we're going to talk about possible applications for artificial intelligence in developing countries. I interviewed Herman Osterweg, who is a very well-known expert and teacher in medical imaging informatics. For many among you, his name is probably associated with standards used for connecting healthcare IT systems in radiology, such as DICOM and HL7. Actually, he is one of the creators of those standards. He has been teaching thousands of people about PACS, Picture Archive and Communication Systems, and also played an important role as advisor for many organizations and hospitals. For several years, he has been active in the HIMSS, the Healthcare Information and Management Systems Society. I recently met him during the yearly PACS Congress of Medical Fit in Utrecht, the Netherlands, where he was an invited speaker to give an overview of the most relevant innovations in imaging informatics that were shown at the RSNA meeting in Chicago last December, which is the largest radiology meeting of the world and has an enormous technical exhibit. During the dinner after this PACS Congress in Utrecht, he told me about his activities in third world countries, which he has been doing for more than 15 years now, mainly in Latin America. He coordinated the construction of schools and clinics and also helped in providing medical and educational material. Please stay tuned to listen what he told about how to support radiology in the third world and how artificial intelligence could be of value for those developing countries. Okay, hello, Herman. We are online, so uh, let's start with the first question. Maybe it's good for the audience to introduce yourself. Maybe you can say a few things about your background. What's your experience? What have you been doing uh, during your career? So, yes. Sure. Thank you. Thank you, Eric, first of all, for allowing me to participate. And so my name is Herman, uh, Herman Oosterwijk, and um, um, I have experience with PACS and teleradiology. I've been involved since 1980s, believe it or not. Um, that's when we um, started to exchange information between uh, mostly CT scanners and, and remote uh, centers where we would like to, to, um, to look at the images. And so I was actually invited to come to the United States uh, after working, when I was working with Philips in the Netherlands to help um, the people in Michigan State University in Lansing to connect um, CT scanners to be read um, at these central locations. So I would think that's probably one of the first uh, really, um, you know, predecessors for PACWA, one of the first teleradiology systems in the 1980s already. And then after that, um, DICOM came along, uh, HR7 came along, and I was asked to participate in the standards meetings and became active in that. And uh, lately you were... You were involved in setting up the standards, even. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was. Uh, yeah, Phillips asked you know, anybody volunteers to go to Washington D.C. every other month, and I, I gladly volunteered to be out of the office. And I really found it was really interesting to work on the on the early DICOM standards at that time. And uh, recently, I've been involved with uh, um, connectatons, in, uh, which is now happens in Cleveland, the IHC connectatons, and also. Uh, part of the Health Information uh, Exchange, HIE, Interoperability Committee for HIMSS, 
And so uh, I've done this already for 24 years, uh, OTAC training and consulting. Yes, so actually you do have a lot of experience with uh, the digital part of our profession and let's call it imaging informatics and mm -hmm. sharing sure. of images, right? Yeah, sure, yeah. Now, and then the next phase is, um, you know, recently, the last 10, 15 years, I've become really involved also with the humanitarian projects. Um, and initially, it started, interestingly enough, for Rotary International. I, uh, I became a member of a Rotary Club. And, uh, yeah, I helped um, uh, helped teams to go to Latin America. We built a couple of schools, uh, hospitals, and and we really got a lot of um, of uh, uh, experience with with working in developing countries. And then the last uh, several years, I actually uh, 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 coordinate a, a group of Rotarians um, um, that are informatics experts. And what we do, uh, we call ourselves DMIST. Uh, diagnostic Imaging and Medical Informatics Support Team. And typically when, when somebody says, well, we have already built a hospital, but we need radiology. So uh, we help um, the, uh, the organizations and nonprofits to to inst install medical informatics systems, whether it's PACS, radiology, CRDR, uh, ultrasound, um, into, this, into these, these little uh, um, uh, hospitals uh, in developing countries, and we've done it in Nepal, Guatemala, uh, Africa, a couple of countries over okay. the past several years. Yeah, yeah. So, so you that's try to, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, so you try to implement your experience in digitization and sharing information and images into developing countries. Yes, yes. yes. And then very recently, even uh, we participated in RAD8, Radiology 8. Um, you're probably familiar with those. Um, we, um, I, I teach PACS boot camps in, in a hospital that install the PACS, uh, again, in developing countries, where they, you know, there's really no expertise in how to manage the PACS and the, all the images and stuff like that. So Maybe that's kind can... of the... Uh, yeah, yes. go ahead. Maybe you can say a few words about RADATES because I don't know yeah. if everybody knows it, but RADATES is actually a group of radiologists and volunteers who are doing yeah. uh, not only diagnostic work for developing countries, yeah. but also teaching, etc. Yeah, yeah. Actually, the main the main uh, uh, purpose is really uh, teaching. So they actually have a, uh, they exist already for ten years, and they have an amazing uh, group of volunteers, uh, literally uh, thousands of them that are working in in, in 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 you know in the developing world, but then volunteer for uh, for a week or so, or sometimes two weeks, to help. Uh, the radiologists, the technologists, and the uh, imaging informatics people to to really use these systems because one of the problems is that we often do in in the developing world and so in the developed world is to throw this technology over the wall kind of okay here here's a CT scanner here's an ultrasound or here's a DR and then without the proper training it almost becomes a liability instead of an advantage because uh, if they don't have the proper training and expertise to support these systems um, yeah that, that's really a, a major issue so uh, Radate create organization um, the, it's a it's a non-profit so they typically pay for the travel and then volunteer your time and I've done a, a boot camp in Ghana in Accra um, uh, last year, and uh, we're planning to, uh, to to several more uh, in developing countries where people really install the PAC system and then need to learn how to manage these images and making sure that everything is uh, working correctly. Yeah, so with these PACS boot camps, you train them how to uh, yeah. implement it, how to maintain it, how to right. uh, uh -huh. improve it, etc. 
Yeah, yeah. Okay. But now about AI, yeah, I mean... Yes, well, <laughs> this is actually where we are going, right? Yeah, of course. So, yeah, uh, yeah the, of course, you know that there's a lot of uh, new developments going on in artificial intelligence, which is also, of course, part of the imaging informatics branch. And uh, a lot of changes, well, we've seen them during the past five years. So what's your idea about this? How do you think this will evolve? How will this change... Um, well, you've seen how uh, the uh, digital sharing of information has changed our profession. And uh, how do you think this will influence our profession mainly? Yeah, well, well first of all, uh, AI is not new. Um, as a matter of fact, I see so already in, uh, I think, 1999 or 2000, I saw already early implementations of, of you know, how image processing could help and not I mean, all the image processing, but based on learning uh, from, you know, from, from uh, using special algorithm learning from experience and implemented that computer. So it's not new. Uh, and that my, but I'm seeing in AI, it still has a, a long way to go. Um, I think the challenge is uh, that um, there's a lot of uh, disease patterns. and But the good news is if we can solve, you know, the, if you do the 80-20 rule, if you can solve so the 80% of the most common uh, cases like the TB detection for cancer, aneurysms, I think that's that, that's going to be really a big big advantage. And, and definitely, I think, initially for screening. Um, you know, uh, if you have, uh, for example, let's take a developing country again like South Africa or some of the other African countries, there's a lot of mining. And so, uh, the workers are screened every year. They do a, a, a chest X-ray uh, uh, to make sure there's nothing going on there. Mm -hmm. And so that 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 if you could have an algorithm to say, well, in this uh, chest X-ray, there's absolutely, completely, totally nothing to be seen, that could potentially eliminate yes. 80 to 90 percent of the uh, of the cases. So I think there's a there's definitely some good opportunities there. Yes. So you actually, what you're saying is that artificial intelligence is not only important for what's going on in the Western world, but it also has a certainly some value for let's say uh, improving healthcare in developing countries as you said 80 20 rule with the main yeah. things uh, like tuberculosis and uh, lung infection for example with children pneumonia uh, which is also yeah. often occurring in, in third world countries uh, actually what you said about screening as well so you immediately see some applications for developing countries as well. So this is where you make the link now between yeah, AI yeah. and possible applications in the uh, developing countries and the work you're doing. Yeah, yeah. No, there are two issues, two main issues in, in developing countries. Um, first of all, there's a lack of resources. Uh, so there's absolutely, you know, some countries have very few radiologists. And so the second problem is that um, if there is a resource, uh, the resources are typically not necessarily trained as well, or sometimes interpretation might be done by technologists, and the technology might not be, you know, the, the, the person operating an X-ray might not be anybody else than just having a high school uh, diploma and then be able to to operate that system. The physicians uh, might not have any radiology training. Uh, uh, there might be physician assistants. So there's lack of resources and lack of expertise. Now, if you think about uh, the different levels of AI, uh, and there's you know you can depending on who you're listening to, there could be four or five levels. But uh, compared with 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 uh, self-driving cars, eh? you have self-driving cars which is still way out, but there's also assisted driving. 
cars, you know, that, that warns you if you change the lane or warns you if you are coming too close. So the same thing could be done in artificial intelligence. We could potentially do an assisted radiology, right, that mm -hmm. helps for the people that are not necessarily have the radiology training, number one. And, and, and also a, a major thing you have to think about is even although an artificial intelligence might be, I don't know, 90% correct, what is better, 90% correct? Of, or you don't have any resource. There's no radiologist that can look at the image at all. So here in the United States or in the Western developing countries, we, we, uh, the Western developed countries, we, we, we sometimes think about, okay, well, uh, is it code form? Is the sensitivity and the specificity good enough? And is it, you know, do we have another 2 or 3% increase? Well, think about 0% uh, in developing countries where there's nobody looking at the images to whatever the 90 or 80%, you know, uh, in, under the ROC curve. That is a major step. So from nothing to something significant versus, you know, having the small changes. And I think that is kind of underestimated a little bit. And people think about AI, oh, that's, that's new stuff. I think it could be a major, uh, could make a major impact uh, in these developing countries. Yeah, so mainly what you're saying is that, uh, of course, because they have this lack of resources, um, it will certainly assist them in, let's say, detecting major things and, uh, let's say, selecting the things that are normal from the things that are abnormal. And, right. uh, uh, yeah, yes. yeah. And then in that case, for the abnormal cases, then for limited, see if you, <clears throat> for that might, then at that time, it could be uh, advantageous to use, you know, teleradiology and and, mm -hmm. and and exchange that information. And, and there are there's so much technology available, uh, as you're probably also familiar with, you know, your chat, there's a, uh, everybody in developing countries has a smartphone, pretty much. Yes. Um, definitely the, the, the healthcare practitioners. Um, so that's actually, uh, everybody has it because they, that's how they pay the bills you know they're way ahead of us in, in mm -hmm. many in many areas so um uh, some of the um secure chat applications where they can just simply you know exchange that information when don't think about sophisticated cloud solutions because internet is a you know spotty but just using standard you know phone cell technology that could potentially help a lot um, <clears throat> yes and also the use of artificial intelligence would not need a lot of Compl complicated infrastructure to uh no 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 and you see that's another thing so i i'm always a little bit scared when people talk about the cloud and just upload the cloud and the cloud will figure out you know what's going on well that's not going to work you know you need to have local uh, solutions that either run on, on your tablet or on your phone or on your pc and and that's and that time that's why where you really need to to have the implementations um cloud solutions works great uh, if you have the infrastructure but in many cases, that's the problem. And and even if you have the cloud infrastructure, you might not have the power. Or if you have the power, you might not have the AC. I, mm -hmm. I, when I walk into uh, many of these uh, institutions, the first thing when you go to the CT room is this corridor filled with batteries. Yeah, that, <laughs> that, that gives you already, a, you know, an indication of what, what is going on. So, so, so think about it. And then when you open a, <clears throat> a room, 
um, you know, where the PC is, then, uh, you know, then there's typically an, an, some kind of rattling AC in the, in the corner. But it's probably better to have a, an, a mil-spec computer that that can can have, a, you know, 40, 50 degrees Celsius and, you know, 120 degrees Fahrenheit and can sustain with that. So infrastructure is a major issue. So we need to use the technology that they have available, the phone systems and things like that. Yeah. Yes, but nevertheless, for using AI applications, you need a computer and this also Absolutely. needs uh, mm -hmm. yes okay that's the least you can have yeah 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 yeah, yeah. so so do you know do you are you aware of any uh concrete examples of use cases in which ai is being used or could be valuable in these countries no yeah i haven't seen it i mean i haven't come across it yet um but i think <clears throat> there's a uh, some major applications and there's some major some major uh, really some good work going on in these countries now <clears throat> again don't throw that technology uh, over the wall and uh, making sure that uh, first of all the train there's a this training um that happens and <clears throat> and together with uh, also when, when you think about ai you also need to make sure that the basics are taken care of for example standardized protocols you know if somebody takes an ultrasound you know you cannot just <clears throat> do some wild west you know sweeping you need to have a standard sweep a standard protocol <clears throat> uh, that is reproducible and that uh, kind of uh, if you have that kind of uh, structure and that and that requires training uh, you need to go down, down training one of the things that people always ask me says okay what can we do you know do we send money and i have to tell you an interesting anecdote i was in <clears throat> Excuse me. I was in in a <clears throat> sorry. I was in in a in a, in a Uber driver in Accra, Ghana, a few months back, and and the driver told me after I told him I was in the United States and doing some teaching. He said, "Why do you guys? Why do you guys send money? Please stop sending money. That's not good because the only thing what's happening that goes on the top." And then he pointed to me. He said, "Look, see that 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 light? Uh, or, you know, that's that's down there. That's already down there for two months. It doesn't reach us." So, mm -hmm. um, what you what we want to do? He said, "Send us teachers. Send us teachers." Yeah. So we want to have training we want to make sure that we train them on standardized protocol we need to make sure we have the right infrastructure uh, and use people to people resources when i when i go to these countries I, I i find sometimes in the in the most remote places a missionary that built this little hospital or this little clinic or you find a, a couple um, um that that is that that is the start of from scratch uh, you know build another clinic or i find a radiologist and, and the, the most recent one was somebody from south dakota and they said what are you doing here in the winter well he said south dakota is cold in the winter so he spends three months uh, every year helping there these these <laughs> in these countries and it's amazing when you travel with the people that you meet and that's where you need to work with not fire mm -hmm. top down the big ngos the big organizations work with the people on the ground they know what's what's what needed they know what works and what doesn't work and then <clears throat> help them you know do let them do the workshops and the training and, and tell tell us you know how to approach this and and, and what's going to work and what is not going to work because i think you know yeah it, it's a lot of things to be done but mm -hmm. do it the right way and don't but spend the money you know, basically do you think do you think that we should learn them how to use solutions like artificial intelligence? For example, I'm thinking about uh, some applications that are being developed that have been developed already in uh, Nijmegen. Um, yeah. Let's uh, it's called the Cat4TB, 
Um, mm-hmm. And that's a system by which they can uh, make x-rays, chest x-rays, which are automatically analyzed by the AI software. And then, you know, the bad cases or the difficult cases are being sent to be read by a radiologist through uh, teleradiology. But then mainly what you should do is make these this equipment available and train the people to use this correctly, right? Yeah, absolutely. But make sure that you do the basic first, you know, make sure that the people know how to take an X-ray, uh, yes. how to use the proper protocol, how to do the proper positioning, and then, then that the infrastructure is ready. So when you sell, uh, when you send them the software that they have a computer that they can run on uh, that has power uh, or maybe, I don't know, solar uh, or a battery backup and that we have a connection and we have some of the tools to share the images. So um, it, it's not, I, I think there's great potential, but do your homework first and do the basic first. And if you do that, I think there's a great opportunity. There's mm-hmm. a great potential. It could so make a you major impact. Yeah. Yes. So you mentioned the ultrasound. So if you teach them how to do an ultrasound, uh, mm-hmm. of course, you know that there's new kind of new type of equipment. You can maybe link transducers to smart phones oh, yeah, or yeah, uh, yeah. mobile devices. Yeah, yeah. Do you see there a link with artificial intelligence? Do you think it will be developed to analyze images or is that a Absolutely. step too far? No, no, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and like, like, like you mentioned, the the, the equipment cost is so um, relatively inexpensive. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, you can buy ten thousand dollars and lower. You know, ten thousand dollars is almost like a high end uh, tablet with wand uh, ultrasound. And and uh, so, so the equipment is not necessarily the expense. And that's that makes actually a, a great potential because mm-hmm. if somebody would then decide to spend, let's say, a million dollars, you know, and, and a million dollars. You think it's a lot of money of a million euros but you know if somebody uh, like bill gates or somebody else can just write these checks very very simple but then you can you know have, have, have several you'd have you know lots of these pieces of equipment mm-hmm. but um, with the proper infrastructure and training you know yes. we can make a major impact on maternal health and you know and and, and really make, make make save definitely save lives no question yes yeah. i am aware that uh, algorithms are already available for uh, analyzing cardiac ultrasound images for cardiologists, but apparently, or it's probable that this will also be the case for other types of examinations. Yeah, I don't know, but, but I would think, um, and I'm sure I'm not a, an IAEI specialist, but uh, simple things in OBGYN application like uh, automatic measurements uh, mm-hmm. um, and also uh, you know, you can probably very easily determine whether the fetus is uh, upside down or, you know, or, or, or some other indications that this is potentially uh, going to be a high-risk pregnancy. And then you can say, listen, um, there's a little red flag and mm-hmm. uh, you, you probably, and you're ready for delivering the baby, you better go to a hospital instead of yes. staying local and, and having the midwife um, uh, taken care of. Uh, so. yeah. I see. Well, that's very interesting. Um well, maybe with this podcast, we can motivate some people to uh, to start uh, developing such projects. Um, mm-hmm. If well, yes, to finalize this this uh, interview, maybe you can give some final comments. Yeah, so final I, I thoughts. Think, yes. Yeah, I think there's there's a major opportunity, and like I mentioned before, um, 
um, not only uh, assisted, you know, but also if there's nobody available at all, you know, an AI, an AI algorithm could potentially, um, uh, you know, uh, be a, you know, a case of life and death because there's nobody to to look at the images for sure. But uh, you do the homework first, and and don't don't let's not not throw technology. Mm-hmm. Let's make sure that we do the basics first, and then learn learn from the people on the ground. Uh, don't go to the big organization. And, and, and try to do a top-down, but do a bottom-up, uh, learn from the people on the ground, and, and, and spend time there. I mean, I learned yes. so much by, by taking a team and just try to build a small clinic in, in the middle of the jungle somewhere, and because then you really see, then you really find out what, what, what's going on, what the issues are, and you can really understand what the, what the challenges are. Yes, and then if you, if you think in this way, then you could also say, let's develop the algorithms they need from the knowledge that we have yeah, from the local situation slowly. define the clinical use cases and then develop the right tools the ones that would be most useful for them yeah and then think about the 80 20 the 80 20 rule is quite different in that country in those countries than here the 80 20 rule is there Malaria, AIDS, and I talk already so many other ones. The 80 20 rule in the United States, we talk about stroke and whatever. There's, mm-hmm. there's no malaria here anymore. So, so somebody has to be motivated to, to look at those, those use cases where we, we can have a bang for the buck, so to speak, in those countries. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you very much, Herman, this, sure. uh, for this nice interview. And uh, well, I certainly hope, I wish you a lot of success with your projects. Uh, sure. And, yeah, appreciate uh, Well, let's stay in touch. And uh, thanks again. Okay, you're welcome. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.